You are listening to the Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Murai, part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. Hey everybody and welcome to the Pull List Podcast, episode 3. Amazing that we've already been here and on our way for a couple of episodes, but we're super happy to be part of the Love Thy Nerd Huzzah. Podcasting Network. Huh? Huzzah. Huzzah? Huzzah. We're excited. We're super excited. See, we even got distracted in our intro, but that's how awesome podcasting is. But we're here. We're part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcasting Network, along with our partner shows of Humans of Gaming. So if you like games of the video game type or of the tabletop type, uh, the hosts over there, if Drew and Chris, have great interviews and great conversations about games and just creators and how they bring their stuff to us, their loving fans. And then, of course, we also have the Free Play Podcast, where Matt, Bubba, and Kate just tell us what's going on in the gaming world, what they've been playing, what they've been enjoying. It's super funny. It's super entertaining. But it's just cool that now we get to add comics to that mix of things. So, here we go. Welcome to the Pull List Podcast, episode number three. I am your host, Chris Poirier, and with us as always, my co-host, Hector Mirai, and we want to talk about what's going on and what's been Wait. going on in comics for the last couple of weeks. So, Does Hector, that make me Garth? Uh, I don't know. Does that make you Garth? Do you like you to play? You said with, with me as always, and I'm like, <laughs> I, like I just felt like I look like Dana Carvey now, but you know, whatever. Cool. Good talk. Go on. I mean, I, I mean do you enjoy playing drums? I don't do it well. Um, okay, well, then maybe not Garth. I do have a drum kit in my garage, so maybe. Maybe that could count. <laughs> if you work on it, then maybe you could be Garth too. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hector, uh, or Garth, uh, what are you reading, watching, um, doing this for the last couple weeks? What jumped off the shelves or were in your pull list that was exciting for you this week? Okay, um, I'm going to look. I'm double-checking my pull list, but I can say um, I've been gaming a good amount. Um on some things red dead redemption 2 came out so that's been uh, a heavy hitter um yeah so we can apologize to free play right now because they're definitely going to talk about that too but uh that was at the top of my list even though we're a comic book show so rootin tootin cowboy shootin 2 has definitely taken over pretty much the nerd space yeah it's just one of those things like i schedule my free time around that right now so i'm um, doing that but i'm um, also the my hero academia dropped a video game how and is that? I keep hearing about it, so I will ask you. Um, it is uh it's a fully 3D like um fighter, very reminiscent to the uh Dragon Ball Fighters that came out, except Dragon Ball Fighters was 2D. This one you can actually run around the map during the battle, you can run up buildings. Um, if you uppercut All Might into a skyscraper, you can jump on the side of all the skyscraper and then punch All Might in the nose. Um, it's one of those things. Uh, and you can battle with up to three people at a time and you can charge up your quirks and use them. Um, the only uh, cautionary statement, I'll say this, it's fantastic. You can also play through the storyline. So within 10 minutes of starting the game, you're training with Gran Torino. 25 minutes later, you're fighting Stain. I mean, it, it you plow through oh, the story. Oh, cool. Okay. And, but there's also missions, and you can battle with each other, customize your characters. But the only disclaimer is that all of the voices are the OG Japanese voices. Ah, okay. So some um, people might be a little weirded out by that, but... Yeah, they, and there's not an option to switch to English. So the text will all be in English, um, but you will be hearing Japanese with subtitles. 
Um, so the anime they, hardcore, like, yes, it's perfect. And the rest of us are just a bunch of casuals. Got yeah, it. The weebs will dance the dances of happy. And, uh, um, uh, so doing that, uh, my family plowed through haunting of Hill house or haunt, haunt house. Haunt, man, there's so many. Yeah. The other thing. house thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, Hill house was fantastic. Um, really emotionally deep, um, less jump scares and more, family drama which is good um that was a big hit for my household um so that's been like my non-comics entertainment um my pull list has included justice league um i'm gonna be dropping justice league and pretty much every other dc book that has to do with uh the drowned earth deal I, um, I honestly didn't pick it up either. And I know some fe- folks might be surprised to hear that, but that's kind of the thing with comics, right? Is sometimes there's just going to be stuff that doesn't hit, but some other people are going to love it. So, well, you for me judge. and, you know, again, I'm trying to stay at a, you know, free plays world and, and the humans <laughs> of gaming, but uh, a pet peeve of mine for gaming is water levels. Um, <laughs> uh, I hate so water. No tables. comics with water, just bad memories. It's a PTSD response. You What's, you shake it, a little. A little is just a bit. I don't enjoy. Like it is. I'm going to go watch Aquaman, and I'm going to make myself watch Aquaman. But like the idea of watching a whole underwater movie annoys me. Um, I'm glad <laughs> that it's not. But like I legit, when I saw that they're about to do this monster crossover with you know the ocean, I'm like. Nope. Um, the only intentional Aquaman book I've ever bought was uh, the New 52 Aquaman number one because I bought all the numbers. And I actually thought that was a good book. But um, yeah, no. So Justice League has been on my pull list. That's going to be dropping until we get past this whole deal of wetness. Um, <laughs> I've been I picked up Nightwing since the whole uh, catastrophic event in his life. Um, yep. I I'm I'm on the fence. Uh, Daredevil is still moving really solid for me. Um, yes, uh, I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, but it's reminding me why I'm not a fan of Marvel books as like a tatted on my chest, commit to it for life situation. Um, I feel like my biggest beef with Marvel books is their characters don't grow. Mm. Um, and that I can pick up a Daredevil book. 20 years ago and I could pick up a daredevil book today and they're still dealing with the same drama. Like why is Spider-Man still annoying and not mature um, at all? Why is daredevil still trying to take down Fisk um, in that capacity? And I know that goes like both ways, like every other major book does that, but like legitimately I feel like this run right now. Oh, Electra's in my life. Oh no, she's not. Oh no. Yeah. That, Fisk. Yeah. spoiler alert but to the point of the conversation um you you should have known that was coming before the book even got halfway through yeah so i think it was meant to be a big moment but honestly i hit the last page and went oh okay so well that happened again well that's what i'm saying like i literally could have been 14 and that could have been the same story um that happened you know forever ago um and so that's my only that only was my only left a bad taste in my mouth moment with the current Mm. daredevil run because it feels like i'm reading like spider-man clone saga um which for some folks that might not know that was either that was a love-hate relationship for a majority of spider-man fans and i think it's mostly that most love to hate it um so yeah i i can understand that and appreciate that reality but I'm I am still enjoying it. Um, I just feel like 
there should be some emotional depth and growth from the time I was reading Daredevil as a kid to now, but it's still good. So um, it's, it's worth asking at least while we're here talking about Daredevil is uh, so how do you feel about this new character that they gave us? What was the name? Um, the vigil looks like it's like the opposite end of those uh, holy nights we met during the whole demon thing. That was kind um, of my feel. So I'm wondering if that's the relationship we shall see. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm super I'm 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 feeling it. Um, and if they are truly killing off Daredevil, you know, or at least for the moment, um, this looks like a solid way to go. And, you know, the fact that they're the vigil is saying that they're there for his death. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, so that I'm uh, I'm still reading Immortal Hulk, still enjoying Immortal Hulk. Um, honestly, the last two issues of Immortal Hulk have been some of the most entertaining marvel things i've read in forever so like when i was talking about i don't like repetitive books that show no growth this is the opposite um that's true this story has definitely had a starting point and has been escalating towards something else it's been escalating towards something else but honestly it's redoing hulk's story in a different way but still in current timeline um right yep and and it's still interesting. So I don't know how everything plays out. But basically, if you haven't picked up a Mortal Hulk, um, they've set it up that uh, Bruce Banner can die like all the time. And in fact, Bruce Banner is dead. But at night, Hulk comes back. Um, and the fact that uh, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast, but of just how savage the Hulk is that he uh, shattered Thor's skull with one punch. And that he hit Black Panther so hard that the vibranium crapped out. I meant like, yeah, um, you don't put baby in the corner. He, he knock you out. Um, and so like, that's just been really interesting to read um, because I don't know what's happening. Um, <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, you, you got me. Um, uh, still reading Batman. Um, still enjoying Batman. Detective Comics is still good. Um, like what they're doing with that, with the whole mystery thing, uh, two face and Batman have teamed up and that's cute. Um, but it's that Harvey thinks that two or that two face thinks that Harvey is starting to be corrupt. And if Harvey starts to be corrupt, then there's no two faces just, right. you know, so he's trying to stop Harvey. Like, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm here wow. for the ride. Um, and yeah, so Harvey <laughs> is, a yeah, whatever. Um, so detective comics reading heroes in crisis. Um, yep. And that's been solid and uh, pretty much everything Tom King is doing at the end. <laughs> right. It's like, what am I pulling? Uh, I am pulling Tom King. Yes. Um, and by the way, and Domino is continuing. I thought Domino was done at six. Um, and I'm glad that Domino is continuing and I'm really enjoying Chaos Simone with Domino still. So No, it's been a super fun story. It's been I mean. The art's been fantastic, too. It's just been a fun little ride, and I was kind of the same way, but I felt pretty good because I had people coming back in the shop going, cool, we heard it's continuing. When is it coming out again? So when you see folks being like, yes, this thing isn't going away, I feel like that's excitement you can share in, especially from the shop perspective, but also just as a fan because it means, oh, you know, this was a limited thing, but it it picked up steam. It picked up readership, and that means, well... Um, from the publishing side of things, they like the color of green. Money is good, so we'll keep going with the thing. But we benefit as fans because we get to keep seeing the cool stuff. So I'm excited to see kind of um, where the next step for there are going to be because, you know, that was supposed to be the arc and done, but now they get to keep telling. So that's going to be awesome. So, yeah, that that's about my pull. I mean, and I'm still holding on to Walking Dead because it's my undead book that I'm reading. Um, 
it's not alive, <laughs> but, but it's still crawling at you. Um, so yeah, what about you? Well, uh, I, I too suffer from, uh, being a gamer. Um, so we're, we're just total nerds over here. Um, so I've been trying to jam some of that cowboy, uh, red dead goodness into the small crevices of time that I don't have. Um, so that's obviously been super fun, but yeah, for the books that I've been reading lately, I had a I've been reading a lot of the same things, go figure. Um, But I think some of the things that really stood out to me for this week was that the Batman Secret Files thing was kind of fun. Uh, We talked. Yeah, we talked a little bit before the show um, that, uh, again, Tom King. So you're going to read it, going to find out what's going on. Well, not all of it's Tom King, though. So I didn't even pay pay attention to who was who in that one. (laughs) Right. And it's it kind of came out kind of in an annual style, but very similar to how previous secret files have come out that there were it was what, four or five short stories um, in there. And so they're kind of quick hit little pieces. But I appreciated Tom King's because he tied back to what is currently going on, at least in their arcs um, and had a really I, I thought the end of that was really solid because Batman, you know, Bruce again looks at Alfred and says, am I enough? Yeah, and, I, that's I didn't have to look it up because when I read that, I'm like, OK, well, that's Tom. Yep. Yeah, right. It's like, OK, <laughs> and, got it. Pointing back to what I said, though, like with the versus the Marvel thing, that's not a moment you'll get in a Marvel book. Not mm-hmm. right now. Um, or at least uh, not that I've seen. Not in the Marvel library. Um, and you know what? It's like because, you know, the, the, this is going down this podcast that we're bringing up some of the things Uh if you're a massive Marvel fan, you know, drop comments uh, when this episode drops and tell us what we're missing, because it's highly possible we are. Um, and it is about the community and talking. So you can also join our Love Thy Nerd community there on the Facebook. Just search for it. And, you know, let's have the conversation because we'd love to have that chat um, and see what we might be missing. But at least from where we've both sat from reading for a while, it yeah, it. I mean, Wolverine's back for the fourth time. Uh something like that i've lost track but uh we just have to and it's true there are other books um at at dc that kind of will hit in and out but at least for the time being right would would we have ever imagined in new 52 that we would see a bruce wayne that's like wow am am i am i really doing okay well now and here's the thing this is all the writers and hiring great writers is important yes um tom king and I know that I'm, I know I'm a love song to Tom King. That's <laughs> fine. And he's going to he's going to get wind of me again. And he's going to the next show we're at. He's going to like tell me to go away. Um, <laughs> but don't, don't uh, get arrested. I'm, it's a bad look. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like when he wrote for Marvel, yep. you know, that was great. The, the vision, vision was great. Uh, the vision was great. When Joss Whedon was writing Astonishing X-Men. That was the best version of the X-Men I've read in my adult life. So it's not that Marvel doesn't have good properties. It's just it seems like a lot of it right now is more let's flash in the pan a million other things and then, you know, worry about the writing later. I actually don't. That's really fair. I think that's absolutely true. Um, I feel like I feel like a horrible person (laughs) saying that. Right. But 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 at the same time, I mean, uh, I I'm not pulling a ton of Marvel because of it, that there's stuff I want to read, but I'm just waiting to see uh, uncanny X-Men is coming back. So again, all of us are kind of waiting with bated breath to find out whether that's going to, you know, scratch that itch. Finally, Daredevil I did pick up the, the um, yeah, go ahead. the whatever this last juggernaut issue was just because yep. I, I was trying to 
support my local comic book shop and I needed to buy some stuff I hadn't read. And so I was like, mm, I'll buy a Juggernaut book. And you know what? That was solid. That was actually a solid Marvel book for me with some growth. But I think okay. that's almost entirely because Rico Renzi colored that book and I picked it up because I just wanted the support work of Rico's. Did Rico color that? He oh, did. That's great. Yeah. Oh, no, well, go back and look at it because uh, I had someone. That, come OK, in. I totally get that now. Yeah. Um, someone came in the shop and was like, oh, and they're like, yeah, I don't read X-Men, but I'm picking up black to support Rico. And I was like, that's awesome. Rico's a great dude. I was like, I'm picking myself up a copy. I'm ashamed I didn't realize that. For those who yeah. Rico Renzi is uh, a for the longest time, he was an employee at um, Heroes Aren't Hard to Find Comics in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is regional to both of us. Yep. Um, and was part of making Heroes Con, uh, which is which goes by the self-named moniker America's Favorite Comic Con or comic book convention. Um, yep. He was one of the people that made that show work. So Rico works with a lot of us in the Comic-Con industry, but Rico has recently gone pro, full-time pro with Marvel, but he's also, he did Spider-Gwen, right? Like yep. the, the inaugural Spider-Gwen art. And a lot yeah, him and things. him and Jason Latour, both uh, Charlotte folks, um, came together to give us what is Spider-Gwen. And so with the end of their run recently and handoff to the new creative team was kind of a tipping point in his career. In fact, Rico, you heard your name a lot if you're listening at all, but Hector and I are going to reach out. You should come on this podcast. So maybe we'll work that out for folks. Oh, that would be dope. I, I know Rico's a great guy. So you know what? We're just going to stick a pin in that and uh, we'll reach out and we'll try to get Rico to uh, come on the show and kind of talk to you guys about all this wonderful stuff. But go on. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, no, it's all good. Um, so the cool stuff that I pulled out because I read semi-weird stuff was Doom Patrol is back and Doom Patrol's uh, schedule's kind of been all over the place. Um, the whole young animal timeline has been all over the place. Right. Um, with Gerard Way and Nick Darrington and a lot of the other folks there, they've they got great ideas, but getting uh, Gerard to sit and, and write uh, apparently can be difficult, but he has a pass. <laughs> uh, we have Umbrella Academy coming out. Um, for the third volume here soon. Uh, and Umbrella Academy also got picked up for a Netflix show. So he's been busy. It's okay. Um, but Doom Patrol is super great because it's Gerard and Nick Darrington, who is one of my favorite artists in the industry right now. Um, and that's why we we picked Nick to do our Batman 50 cover um, for our shop because he just draws super awesome old school. Which their shop is Ultimate Comics. Oh, thank for you. The record. Yeah, um, um, not not a sponsor, but maybe they should be. Um, seeing as I'm here, maybe they are indirectly. Um, hi, Alan. Listen to the podcast. Um, so Doom Patrol <laughs> this time coming back, they're kind of are on a new story arc. But what's really cool is this issue is kind of a live action D&D story. Um, so it's very Doom Patrol that the group kind of got separated from the other crazy group and Danny Land. And I wish I had enough time to stop and explain any of this, but it would take me the full hour to explain Doom Patrol. I was about to say, dude, I'm a nerd. I'm like hardcore into this and I don't have a flipping clue what you're talking about, but go on. Doom Patrol is, yeah, it <laughs> it is one of the craziest IPs that you could possibly think of. And that's why when that show comes out on DC Unlimited, people's heads are going to melt. Um, well, um, apparently uh, they're in the new episode of Titans, too. Yeah, that's that's the connection point is they introduce them and then they'll cross into their thing, which should be soon. I still have to catch up. I've only watched episode one. So but if you love D&D &D in any way, shape or, or anything, 
Doom Patrol 12 is kind of an homage to all the things wonderful that literally it's a live action party doing a dungeon crawl, but their dungeon crawl gets them out of this little pocket universe that they've been in. And it was just fun. And I know that Gerard Way and Nick are total nerds and they love D&D. Gerard, when he comes out for our convention, which is next week, which is why if I seem scatterbrained, it's because we're in convention mode and my head is going to implode. Um, but they're going to do D&D live character design as a panel. And I think that's freaking amazing. And the nerd in me is excited. But it's clear that D&D has been on the mind of those creatives. So that's where Doom Patrol 12 came from. But I'd say the last piece that you didn't cover that I read um, in the last two weeks that I was surprised by is Batman Beyond number 25. Okay. I typically don't read Batman Beyond that 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 continuity just hasn't done a lot for me. But I had read somewhere that the quote unquote real Joker was going to be in this story because the concept of Batman Beyond is that they're in a flung future from what we're typically used to. Um and some of the original characters are still there. You know, Bruce, old man Bruce, um, is still there. And this one introduced us whoa, to... Whoa, you can't call him old man yeah, anything yeah. <laughs> because Marvel's going to come after you. Uh, it, well, well if Mar- anyone picked up old lady Harley this week, DC might disagree. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I know, but that's the joke. But Batman Beyond going all the way into the, the future here is they tell a story from real-time continuity about the Joker and then the Joker pulls a similar heist in the Bloodhaven of the future type thing. And I hit the end of that and went, this is going to be a cool Joker story. So it may be surprising to some, but I'm going to add Batman Beyond, at least for this arc, because I want to see how this plays out. I was I was well, pretty entertained by seeing the real Joker show up and be like, hi, remember me? And I was like, ooh. Well, I mean, and that was the one of the most successful moments in original Batman Beyond, you know, the animated version was the animated movie, The Return of the Joker, um, which obviously that had some, you know, twists and turns to it. And, you know, I don't want to spoil a 25 year old animated film, but, you know, (laughs) but here we go. Pause the Uh, podcast. No, no, I'll leave it. I'll leave it. No, but, you know, it's just that was a cool storyline. But the only time I picked up Batman Beyond is when they did a hush story. And um, that was years ago um, because I'm a hush advocate. Um, but yeah, I'm, this I meant what you're telling me. I, I think I might pick that up, you know, go another issue. Let me know and let how that's going. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll report back to us uh, when uh, 26 hits. So that's kind of what we've been reading, what we've been watching, which is a lot. But we kind of want to give you guys a cross section of the types of stuff that get dumped into our brains and that we can share with you that we find interesting each and every couple weeks because we are here every two weeks. And so that's just kind of a little bit of everything. We've been playing Cowboys because it, it's fun and because apparently it's the entire world right now. So, you know, Which, one of, by the way, one did of you see that it was the highest grossing opening weekend of anything ever? Yeah, they said an entertainment almost, what was it, three quarters of a billion dollars. So it I guess it seven, kind of makes sense. $725 million in three days. So yep. that's greater than any movie. <laughs> um, right. Now, um, the, yeah, it's bananas. Um, that's why you're literally going to probably hear about it on every podcast this week. Sorry, not sorry. But go on, go on. So, yeah, so we had a couple things that we wanted to talk to you guys about this this week. And we wanted to talk about I'll give you a heads up of where we're going and then we'll go there. But we're going to talk about the Halloween Comic Fest, which is an annual event that comic shops uh, can participate in. 
and we want to talk a little bit about the Walmart giant size 100s from DC Comics. Uh, if you didn't know, there actually are some monthly comics you can roll into a Walmart and get. So we want to talk a little about, about that. And then the final thing for this week, we want to give Hector and Chris's kind of top three graphic novels for you guys that are just getting in the comics that we think are reads that you absolutely should read or pick up or easy places to be able to start. So those are our main topics for today. So Hector, how about you lay us out for Halloween Comic Fest and then I can share some of the stuff or you can kind of ask me some questions because I sit on the retail side, but tell me what Halloween Comic Fest is for you as you wander into your shops. All right, so Halloween Comic Fest um, is the lesser-known redheaded stepchild of Free Comic Book Day. That um, that's accurate. <laughs> um, it is it is comic book industry's uh, attempt to recreate the same hustle and flow they get on Free Comic Book Day, but on the other side of the year. Um, so usually the Saturday before uh, Halloween. Yep. You can roll into your local comic book shop and pick up a bunch of free uh, comic books that retailers put out. Like uh, I'm holding a stack of good grief, man, like 30 books um, that I picked up this weekend um, for my kids. Um, there's a Ghostbusters, um, Invader Zim. Uh, there's a ton of stuff. I mean, in crazy properties, there's stuff you'd expect. Like there's Hellboy, there's a uh, Casper, there is a uh, Constantine, there's stuff like that. But, you know, then they go on some randos like uh, there's a Three Stooges. Um, like, I don't know. I, I I am a fan of old school entertainment, but I'm like, why is Three Stooges still like trying to be a property? Oh, um, nice guy. <laughs> no, like when I was in high school, Curly Howard was my jam because, um, you know, fat, funny person. And I'm trying to at least find someone to connect with. Um, but that's, you know, but, you know, they do little Gotham. They do some different stuff and they'll introduce some number ones as comic quest event or yeah. Comic fest events to try and get people in. Like they even did white Knight, um, which was great. There's some Pokemon stuff like that, but they, you know, different retailers do it different ways. Um, in general, they're free books and like just with free comic book day, it's an opportunity to, uh, you know, ha handle it in your shop. It makes your shop a place to go to for that weekend. And like, um, Second and Charles, which is a retail store in our area, they just had a random dumped table of free comic or uh, comic fest books. Um, but then at my or the local comic book shop, be Dragon's Lair in Fayetteville, North Carolina, uh, they give you one free book. Then every other book is twenty five cents, and all the proceeds go to charity. Um, and they're legit charities. It's not like they're keeping it like, but they do that in that way. So you know, I've you know. If you were to tell some me some other store was selling free books, I'd get ill. Um, but, you know, when they're doing it for charity, I'm like, okay, good for you. Um, and I appreciate what you're doing with your life. But that's kind of a good thing. Um, and it's nice to be able to, for me, free comic book day and comic fest days are my kids' favorite events um, for these things. Like I had one of my kids hang out with me at there and just to pick up the books because it's not too often my kids get a large, a large focused burst of effort from the comic book industry. Nope. That's um, true. Uh, because <laughs> it's so funny to me that kids are the least attended to group, um, and the comic book industry. And, you know, when this whole thing got started, it was all for kids. Um, 
now us nerds have grown up and we're selfish and all the books are for us and we look down on kids books well free comic book day and comic fest are two of those days where kids really get some attention um because it is discouraging for my kids to go to a comic book shop and not see stuff for them or that it's like the same played out property so I, I enjoy Comic F- Fest on that point. And it's it really is a day that you can start to look forward to. So it is it's the free comic book day of the fall. Um and uh you know it also gives comic shops a good excuse to uh you know have a Halloween party and stuff like that. And you can really turn it into an event. My local shop did uh they had a DJ and they had vendors and bounce castles and um you know we had giant board games and all sorts of stuff out there. Uh and the parking lot and they've, they've uh, sold food and did all sorts of stuff. So it's, it's a cool event. And, you know, that's one of my things about, I love about comic book shops is they can be community over just a retail space. That's important. What about you? You're on the retail end. You actually have to order these things. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, that's actually some of the, that's dead on is Halloween comic fest is the Saturday before Halloween each and every year. So just like free comic book day is always the first Saturday in May. Um, you have your fall event, just like you said, and it's very similar that we can order branded comics. They say Halloween comic fest on the top of them and they are free. They are full size, sometimes previews, sometimes they're reissues. There were a couple reprints, um, available this fall and, it's so we can order some of those books. And the main thing is you're absolutely right. It's about community. We do a costume contest every year, free uh, Halloween comic fest themselves do a costume contest. So it's good to remind people of, you can actually still enter that contest until the end of this week. So if you have pictures of you and your kids in costume and you did go to your comic book store and you didn't know, you can send those to the Halloween comic fest. I think you need to tag them on social or you can go to their website, HalloweenComicFest.com, and see more, but they, they run a national contest. We run a local one. And so we take pictures of everyone that comes in costume and then we, you know, do best of kind of category. And we had this epic kid that came in as an Optimus prime and it was like, Oh, that's cool. You're a transformer. That's epic. And then his mom just leans over to him and whispers to him transform. And all of us are like, what? And he got down on all fours and his costume literally folded into the truck and it was perfect. And all of us were probably just standing there like, what? Yes. And that that's what's awesome about Halloween Comic Fest is we get to do the fun stuff like that, get the books out. But you're right. Some places are going to do the thing of either that they have a lot going on or they don't have very much going on. It's just... It's going to be hit or miss depending on your store, but it's an opportunity that I'd say for folks, take the opportunity and get out there and check out what's going on. That Halloween Comic Fest is definitely the thing for the fall, and it's a great opportunity for shops to be able to engage their communities more and more. So uh, with uh, Halloween, just to hit this too, we mentioned it um, when we were speaking earlier that uh, Avengers also dropped a Halloween issue, Um, and we both picked that up, and... uh, Gotta say, um, yikes. Uh, (laughs) Um, it was graphic and it was like dark as all get out. And, uh, what were your thoughts on that? So yeah, kind of the other end of the spectrum with Halloween comic fest, usually being focused on children's, there are some mature books mixed in there. Um, because like you said, us, us nerds grew up, so they're trying to cover the spectrum, 
but Halloween specials in general um, that hit the shelf, if they do, there weren't many this year. Usually DC and Marvel do some type of special. DC did their cursed cavalcade um, at the beginning of the month. And then uh, Marvel did theirs as an Avalo Halloween special that did come out on Halloween. And yeah, I, I, I read the first story and I stopped. I was like, wow, that okay. Okay. And I double checked the rating on the front of the book um, because I was a little surprised yeah. by that first story. I was like, um, so even though it's on the regular shelves and it's an Avengers title, um, just be aware that's a book. If you do pick up uh, parents, you, you might want to read the first story or two um, <laughs> before you hand that one off. It's rated at a teen plus, but it's uh, it, it was pretty heavy. Um, let's just put it this way. It, it makes Deadpool look like Ant-Man throwing it out there. Uh -huh. Yeah, no. Um yeah, there there was there was some some bloody uh, gore there in in the first story and I was like, "Yep. Halloween nailed it, but what, what but, uh, it, what's the age group?" There's a extremely the first one we're referring to is a very graphic Daredevil story. There is a Captain America story that is like makes your skin crawl. Um yeah. not in a negative, like it's it's just it makes your skin crawl. Um there's a Doctor Doom story, there's a uh, a Punisher um, there's there's a solid mix of Marvel Halloween stuff, and uh, I, I'd recommend it um, if you're a fan of horror at all. Um, pick that up. That's right. Yeah. Stuff. The flip side of that that warning that we just gave is if you do enjoy the scary, spooky stuff, um, Marvel definitely showed up to that party and showed what they were capable of. Uh, just just beware that Avengers does not mean that it's necessarily kid friendly this particular time around, but it is a great spooky um halloween read and i mean that first story it's just graphic but it was very twilight zone and i did dig it it was very twilight zone i'll totally take that oh, but um moving on with uh we've covered all the halloween things but we mentioned this earlier spooky. walmart's <laughs> what, you, what you doing walmart um right uh so walmart has released uh along with dc a new series you want to tell us about that? What's what's going on with that? Right. So what's interesting about what Walmart and DC are doing is DC has decided they wanted to get some of their intellectual property, uh, specifically Justice League, Batman, Teen Titans and Superman into a more broad retail market outside of your local comic shops to potentially get folks interested in their main properties, seeing comics and it's supposed to function as a pathway to get folks into going, oh, comics are cool. Um, I should go to a comic shop and find out more about these titles. So what they've done is they've started those four titles, uh, Justice League, Batman, Teen Titans, Superman, as what they're calling Giant Size 100s, which is a throwback to um, back in the day. They did Giant Size 60 pages, Giant Size 80 pages, Giant Size 88s, and then 100 pages. That were just when, these there was giant size X-Men too. I know that's the other side of the aisle, but whenever yep. you say giant size, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is yep. the giant size X-Men. Um and yeah, sometimes some of the they went back and forth. Some called them king size or um, and all different stuff, but it's just a giant book with a either a bunch of stories or can be a very long story. And so DC put together some teams, uh slightly different mixed up teams for each of these books and then got them to the shelves at a price point. Uh, it's like four ninety nine, which is really cheap for a hundred page comic. Um, just, just to put it on like 
your just general understanding, four ninety nine for a hundred pages is ridiculous because right. the average comic book um, is on average, I say most of them are three ninety nine, and that's for what thirty two or twenty three pages, depending on the publisher. Right. Um, if it's if it's a monthly, it's going to be close to the thirty number. If it's a biweekly, then you're in the mid twenties, depending on editorial and what's going on. And so that's three ninety nine for the average, but I can still say some of the books I buy on a weekly and monthly basis are four ninety nine for thirty. Sure. So when you're offering a hundred pages, that's you know a lot. Now for the the current comic book reader, though, only like ten of those pages are new stuff. Right. Um. Like for instance, uh, the Batman three. I, I just picked up of this hundred page thing. I picked up Batman three and Batman four. And by the way, even though those titles are what's listed, there are a variety of characters in those. So like Justice League will include Wonder Woman. Justice League will include a Wonder Woman story. It'll include a Green Lantern story. It'll include the. It's the catch all book for that. But like um, in the Batman one hundred page, it's got it's re issuing sections of the book hush in chronological order which nice. is uh yeah it's uh redoing a classic nightwing story classic it's well it's a new 52 nightwing but it's still classic in the fact it's old um and it's also doing a, a whole section out of harley quinn like her like her uh i want to say it's a rebirth run um but they're doing that but then i picked up uh, three and four of this because they're smart in the fact that they are doing they're advertising that creator exclusive content is going to be in these books so yes. um a big deal recently with you know dc is that brian michael bendis left marvel and came over to dc well bendis has been doing all superman and some personal properties like since he came to dc and this book is the first book we get to see Bendis do Batman. And not only is Bendis doing Batman, Bendis is doing Batman with Nick Darrington, which Chris has already declared his love for earlier in the podcast. Sorry, um, not sorry. Um, so legitimately, if you want to get one of the biggest creators, writers, and comic books, uh, along with a new hot artist, um, I just pictured the Zoolander thing. He's so hot <laughs> right now. Um, so hot right now. But... Um, but the only way to get that, you can't get it at your local comic book shop. You have to go to Walmart to pick it up. Yep. So, um, how do you feel about that? Um, as a retailer, um, that as a comic book shop retailer, that there is new, potentially exciting content that your shop can't get. Right. So it, it, it's clearly a double-edged sword for us that to an extent, I agree with DC's premise that we're getting a low cost option to market in high traffic places. Their comics typically are not in the hopes that someone will pick it up and go, Oh, these are still things. And because they're using current stuff or things that were super popular. And then, you know, we're also supposed to have the comic book locator in those books. Um, I haven't had a chance to take a look. You can flip through yours, but they've told yeah. us that certain ones of them should have stuff that points to the local comic shops in the area. So it is designed to be a marketing tool in theory that brings oh, yeah, people the, the to the page shop. Of the last page of the book yep. has a, it's got like a poster of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. It says, like what you're reading here, discover more adventures each week at your local comic shop. Yep. To find a comic shop near you, visit comicshoplocator.com. Boom. And 
from that perspective, I'm completely okay. I mean, the industry kind of split straight down the middle of, oh, it's the beginning of the end. But I mean, we have a lot of beginnings of the end here um, in the comic book industry. Are people going to stop printing comics because iPad reading comics is really good? Digital content is more available and it's cheaper. Um, Walmart selling it comics. Not cheaper. I know. That's, that's Well, and that's the thing. Well, it's cheaper for the publisher. There's more there's more oh, yeah, profit yeah, yeah, margin yeah. to them. They're not printing physical book. Um, so, you know, from that perspective, I was like, well, in theory, it's a great idea. The other side of that is I don't have the new Brian Michael Bendis, Nick Darrington jam on Batman. And I absolutely want it in my shop because I could sell the living crap out of that. Which, by the way, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> the first um, one, Nick Darrington's art. Fantastic. Um Bendis on um, Batman, it's interesting. And I th- honestly think, based on what a lot of people have responded with Bendis on Superman, that he would be better off doing Batman than he would be Superman. Um, I'm not surprised by that. Because I'm hearing a lot of not love for Bendis' Superman. But um, like uh, Batman spends almost the entire time in a radio communication with Alfred. And it's a running gag that people think Batman's talking to them. Um, but he's actually talking to Alfred. Uh, And, uh, so like literally that's a reoccurring joke. Are you talking to me? Um, uh, but the first issue is a Riddler issue. It's an ongoing story. Um, but the first issue is Riddler and then, uh, it takes a weird turn and goes into the hex lineage. So, uh, like Jonah Hex's great granddaughter. Um, and I'm like, how, how are you bouncing around from, uh, Riddler to Jonah Hex's great granddaughter. And then by the end of it, death strokes in it. So like, okay, let's, let's have a party. Um, Everybody's coming. Everyone's invited. Everyone's invited. And that's the thing. This is only two issues and you've already hit that. And I'm like, I'll go to Walmart for that. So I, 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 so I went into Walmart to buy this and ended up with a, uh, a 100 count pop tart box with salted caramel pop tarts and pumpkin pie (laughs) pop tarts. And, this is why I would rather go to a comic book shop. <laughs> right. No, that that seems pretty fair. But I mean, the bottom line for folks is if you are looking for that cost savings and a great entry point to seeing some really great creators do their thing and also see some of where the stories have come from. I mean, I, I know it seems counterintuitive as a shop manager and in my business for me to send you to Walmart, but I understand that the economics of comics can be difficult. So if you can find these, uh, definitely check them out and it gives you a hundred pages of being able to catch up on comics and really kind of start getting in and save you some of them dollars so you can figure out or just read fun content and see really good artists doing great things. Now, Hector, I, I'd heard stories, but you're going to have to help me. You can help our, our listeners here figure out, isn't Walmart kind of putting them somewhere weird in the store? Okay, they're, they're, you would think that if they were really trying to push this to kids, they'd put it in like the kids aisle or the toy aisle. Walmart is putting this usually where you find your Pokemon cart, um, which is oh, usually right. at, um, like at the up by checkout. You, mine is on the other side of self-checkout. Um, but there's like a lonely aisle that, you know, normal people never tread down um, that has Pokemon cards and some weird hot topic wannabe merchandise. And um, it's there. It's in a little cardboard 
box that honestly looks like something from the Dollar Tree and uh, that's built to hold it. And like they were in no discernible order. They literally look like, um, you know, something a middle schooler would have in his home. Um, but I so I dug through that and they still had um, at least three and four of Batman, which were the ones I think they've actually had all of all the books. Um, but I only, I was only into it cause I wanted to read the new content, um, because everything else is stuff that I've already read before. But yeah, so if you're looking for it, look for where they normally keep Pokemon cards and that kind of stuff in your local Walmart and you should be able to. All right. That's, I mean, like we said, that's a great way for you to kind of grab something new, interesting, a little something old, but also save a couple bucks. So, you know. Pick one up, check them out. Let us know what you think. Uh, if it's something that's interesting to you, does it make you want to read more comics if you haven't been reading? Um, or is it just a super awesome story? Um, we want to well, have that conversation. I can, say, I can say this too, though. Like Hush is the story that's actually going on in the Batman book, the like ongoing Batman story. And Hush is the story that actually caused me to start reading comic books again. Um, I was working at a Walden Books and you had to throw away all the comic books at the end of the month. Um, that was our policy. Um, you rip off the cover, mail the cover back to the retailer and you throw the books away. And, um, so that's heartbreaking. Um, yeah, no, that part of that part of the industry is incredibly heartbreaking. It's still, so it's still I was, a thing. it's still a thing. Okay. So I was ripping off a cover and I was like, man, this art's dope. And then I was like, I sat down in the middle of my work week and <laughs> just started reading. I was like, Oh, I'm gonna pick this back up. I hadn't read comic books in 12 years and just, looking through the pages of this stuff caused me to read it. So I think it could be, I think it could be a milestone, a jumping off point for kids. Excellent. So speaking of hush, we wanted to give folks kind of a starting point for reading for people that might be interested in what we're doing, what we're talking about, but might not know where to start in comics. Comics can be overwhelming. You walk into a shop and there can literally be hundreds of titles on every, any given day, any given week. Um, and most people, that's the question is where do I start? So we just wanted to go into overtime today, give you guys a couple extra bonus minutes, but also give you uh, kind of Hector's top three and my top three graphic novels for The Noob, um, which we say affectionately. You got to start somewhere. You got to read somewhere. So we wanted to give you guys three trades apiece graphic novels that you could pick up at just about any shop and be able to kind of dive into the different areas of comics. So... Hector, you mentioned Hush. I know Hush is close to your heart, so I'm going to let you do uh, your top three, and then I'll close with my top three. So if you want a good starting point, I'm going to cover three of the different publishers and give you three books to recommend. First off, I do recommend Batman Hush. It is originally a 2003 uh, Batman story. I want to say it went from uh, Batman 608 through Batman uh, 619, somewhere in that region. Um, but it was a fantastic story featuring all-star creators. Um, Jeff Loeb, who uh, it wrote, man, so many good things. But uh, he did, you know, work a lot of work with Tim Sale before. Mm -hmm. But Jeff Loeb, if you're not a comics reader, if you're a comics reader, you know who Jeff Loeb is. Yep. If you're not a comics reader, um, he is responsible for things like uh, Heroes, the television series. Um, he is responsible for executive producing the current Daredevil series on Netflix. Um, Jeff Loeb is a titan of the industry, and um, he's done a lot of great work for everyone. So if you see Jeff Loeb's name attached to it, it's sort of trustworthy out the gate. Um, but Jeff did some fantastic writing, but that put Jim Lee 
in the seat for it to create, along with Scott Williams, some of the most stunning artwork I've ever seen in a DC book. Um, and Hush is a 12-issue story that uh, features uh, literally almost everyone in the Batman world um, at that time. I think they leave out Bane. You know, everybody else is in there. Um, uh, it also introduces a new villain, Hush, who has been played out um, in a lot of other varying mediums at this point. Um, he was uh, in some of the DC animated stuff, uh, the Batman uh, Batman and Superman movie, the animated one, not the sad emo DCEU one. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's been featured in a lot of other stuff like the Arkham Knight, the Arkham Asylum games. Yep. Um, uh, but it created a long lasting character. Um, Hush is also the book that brought us Jason Todd back from the dead. He's it's the it's the book that is res- the reason why we have Red Hood. Now. Um, Hush was the stepping stone to Red Hood existing. So as a Red Hood fan, it's important. To me. Uh, but bottom line, it's a fantastic 12 issue Batman story that I think showcases um, 2000s Batman at his best. Um, you get some play from all of the Robins um, at that point. This is pre-Damien, but you get uh, Rick Grayson. Uh, you get Tim Drake. You get Jason Todd. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, in reading, this is the first canon kiss of Batman and Catwoman. Um, uh, you get a Batman versus Superman fight um, that is one of the better Batman versus Superman fights Um I mean, everybody shines in Hush. It's just really well done. Um, so I'd recommend picking up Hush. It's 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 a game changer for me. It's the book that brought me back to reading comics. On the flip side, I'm going to go over to Astonishing X-Men by Joss Whedon. It is a 24-ish uh, issue run. You can pick it up in a hardback format of the Astonishing X-Men omnibus. Um uh, it might be hard to find, but if it starts out with a six issue run called Gifted, and um, but and it runs all the way through. Joss did a continuous, beautiful story. It's personal opinion. It is the best X Men written in my adult life. Um, and you get some of the most fun moments in it. Beast is fantastic in it. Colossus and Kitty Pride are fantastic in it. It's some of my favorite Wolverine moments. Um, there's a lot of great tension with Scott and Wolverine in it. Uh, and you, and then the end of the series brings in a lot of the heavy hitters. Like you actually get basically the entire Marvel universe brought into. So you get to see Joss Whedon, write Everyone. And that's glorious. Um, that is a 24 ish issue run. I think there might be a giant size towards the end of it, but, um, there it's a 24 issue run, but Basically, if it says Astonishing X-Men and Joss Whedon, that is a fantastic starting point. It's a fantastic ending point. Um, And then I would honestly say the Walking Dead Omnibus Volume, or the Walking Dead Compendium Volume 1, which I managed to find at a comic book shop for $7. So, Oh, you buy that every time at $7. Yeah, um, but it is the... Yeah, if you're you're not familiar, the compendiums can qualify as a weapon in most states simply by just weight so you're, you're getting a is, lot it, of comic <laughs> it is bigger than the average kjv only uh large print bible <laughs> um, uh, but the walking dead compendium yeah it contains the first 48 issues of walking dead and uh a lot of us are familiar with walking dead as a television series but it is really hard to get your hands on original walking dead storyline 
Yes. You can't like walk into a, a comic book shop and pick that up on average, like the real issue. Um, but what I did is I picked up issue 48. I picked up the compendium and I've bought all the comics since then because it was that good. And um, I know the walking dead is fizzling as a book. It's fizzling as a series, but I got to say that it, that first 48 issues was compelling, extremely well done storytelling. And um, I remember like st- trying on several nights to read it all at once and i couldn't because there's so much in it so batman hush uh x-men astonishing x-men omnibus and walking dead compendium volume one those are my three if you want to start anywhere start there what about you no those are great list and i i'll just also say i started walking dead as the show and got bored and then someone threw a book really heavy at my head and went, you like comics, moron, pick up the book. And I did the same thing. I picked up the first compendium and went, whoa, this is way better than what they're doing on TV. So if if you've been exposed to any Walking Dead stuff and it's not the comic, definitely pick it up and read it because Robert Kirkman's storytelling and just talking about the human condition is fascinating so i guess that could be like a 3.5 recommendation from me but uh the top three that i'll recommend and i'm gonna go dc and then into some image books but um one of my all-time favorites is going to be alan moore's the watchmen um watchmen being it was written in the late 80s and it's an anti-hero story. It's it was designed literally to kind of be the antithesis of all the superhero books and everything that were going on, but to also talk about again the human condition that Alan Moore can sometimes be rather nihilistic. Um Watchmen is super nihilistic. Um but he's telling a story in a politically charged time about heroes that are just it's just a tough story that some of these guys are very much the anti-hero they technically commit violence to get to their end so it's that issue of being vigilantes in a society where superheroes are supposed to be the bright shiny things that everyone looks up to but the watchman universe is a dark gritty broken reality that the best thing they got is a bunch of these yahoos that technically are are they better are they not better and The story that kind of envelops them all together is ultimately about one of these heroes does something utterly unspeakable in what is thought to be an event to bring humanity back together to love one another, but in the process kills millions of people. And this thought process of what does it really mean to be a hero and what do we do to keep the fabric of society together is it's it's a heavy read, but it is so fascinating from the perspective of you can almost pull that book out of that time period and drop it right back into today, which is kind of what they've done with the current Doomsday Clock um, series, which is, you know, the connective tissue of Watchmen past to Watchmen future and the DC universe that this is just one of those books that you're going to hear most comic book retailers say, if you don't know what to read and you want something that is a fascinating read, really great art, and is something that's going to make you think, you have to read The Watchmen. And so that was a 12-issue run that you can buy as a collected edition just about everywhere. And it's just one of my all-time favorite stories um, from comics, and it's why I 
have a tattoo of one of the characters on my arm. Um, <laughs> and you can prep yourself because Netflix is about to make it a series. Yeah. So there's lots of stuff going on in the Watchmen universe. Um, my next recommendation is a story called God Country, uh, which is written by Donnie Cates and drawn by Jeff Shaw. And Donnie is another one of those guys that is so hot right now. Um, that literally, if you look at a Marvel cover right now, you're probably going to see Donnie's name associated with it. Um, God Country was a story of, it was a short arc. The book is literally the contained stories. It was, I think, a five or six issue um, run, but basically about an older gentleman that has Alzheimer's and his family battling through that reality of their family. But then this magical sword falls out of the sky. Not kidding. Um, this is a great real. <laughs> yeah. And when you think about the context of it, you're like, wow, Donnie, what? But um, when the old man picks up this sword, he suddenly has all of his faculties back about him. He suddenly can remember everything. He doesn't miss a beat. And you figure all this out in the beginning of this first episode of, oh, he's eventually not going to have the sword anymore. And I'm already sad for where this story is going to go. And that's not a spoiler. That's literally the setup to this this book is you, you're reminded of how complicated and how impactful Alzheimer's can be on a family and how emotionally tolling wow. that can be, right? Um, but then you read five more issues of a sci-fi adventure of this omnipotent. The sword is a being. It's a thing. Um, and you get the story of the sword and a little background of this family. So... There, there's some serious issues to talk about here, Alzheimer's, and they he deals with it masterfully. It, I mean, I, I'm not saying I cried during reading this book, but I, I totally did. And I, I'm not apologizing for that, that I, I didn't expect that from this book um, because it's really got that cool kind of sci-fi intergalactic battle to it. But it also has this family story that's interlaced through it that's just amazing. So... That's God Country, Donnie Cates. Um, Jeff Shaw is the artist. Jeff is freaking amazing right. and is another guy that's kind of up and coming. Uh, Jeff and Donnie went to school together. That's, Which Jeff? Uh, Jeff Shaw. Okay, just make sure. Go yeah. Um, and they went to school together and that's how they met. And they did a bunch of projects together before that. And that was kind of their breaking out point. Um, that's how they picked up that series of doing Thanos at Marvel and then the rest is history as they say that Donnie is now on a bunch and Jeff's doing a bunch of work at Marvel and my final recommendation is Descender which is a little more complicated because the Descender story actually is out to six volumes and I think yeah it was 30 something it was 30 something singles um, but this story is from Jeff Lemire and I, if you want to start a story that is going to be more than just the one read, that's why it's on my list, is Descender is this great sci-fi story about a... It starts with a robot um, that is called a Tim 21. And Tims were designed to be companions to teenagers. So basically in this far off future, when you become a teenager, you get this robot to basically babysit you, but also like be a companion and be a friend. And so they're raised like brothers um, to their families. And this robot and his child, if you will, were separated during a traumatic incident. And the rest of the story is the two of them finding one another in space along the backdrop of this war between man and machine. Um, so you have the tension of this robot 
has been designed over years and years and years to have empathy, to be more and more human, that did the robot truly learn love to actually care about his companion? Or is he just a machine? And at one point in this history, man tried to destroy all the machines. The machines hit back. And then this kind of very uncomfortable existence in the universe became between machines and man. And it's just this epic saga of playing out that entire story. So if you're looking for the longer read that has tons of fun sci-fi, really, really good art, um, tons of comedy, um, but also is going to, again, make you cry a couple times. And I'm sorry I gave you two books that potentially going to want to get the tissue box out for. But that's what's really cool about comics to me is as much as we can take enjoyment in our superheroes beating the crap out of some bad guy, um, there's really solid storytelling um, in comics. And image tends to be where a lot of that storytelling takes place. But those are would be my top three. So Watchmen from DC, God Country from Image and Donny Cates, and Descender is also an image book and is from Jeff Lemire. So between those six, Hector and I think you guys probably will have plenty of stuff to get started on reading and pretty easy to get into type stuff. And then you're off to the races. The best part about your local comic shop is they should be able to help you based on things that you're interested in. Find that next story that you can read, bite your teeth into, and just really start enjoying. So that's pretty much our show for today, everyone. Thanks for listening to us here at the Pull List Podcast. And we're super excited. Once again, this is episode three of being here on the Love Thy Nerd Podcasting Network. You can now get us in pretty much any place that you listen to podcasts from. So as of today, we're super excited. You will be able to find us on iTunes. We were in the process of getting approved. So you can now add us and subscribe and rate. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify. There's a ton of different places. But if you don't know where to find us, um, or if you want to get us someplace, let us know. We can work on that. We're constantly trying to add to the network. But no matter what, you can find us at lovethynerd.com and check out the podcasting network. All of our shows are there. So you can check out Free Play and Humans of Gaming like we talked about at the beginning. And it's just great. So come be a part of us. Be a part of Love Thy Nerd in the community. You can look us up on Facebook. Join us. Yes, join us. One of oh, us. Yeah. One of us. Um, and... <laughs> Just get involved in that community or comment on these episodes about things that you're interested in. Tell us what you're reading and why it's cool because we want to be part of what you guys are doing as well. So remember to share, do all the cool stuff on the social media, and now you can actually rate our show. So five stars only. Um, I'm just saying, you know, we, we got to get some, some good reviews up there. Um, so rate the show, share it. We're just super glad to be here. So that's it. That's episode three. We're in the can. I'm Chris Poirier. And I'm Hector Mirai. And remember, read more comics, kids. You've been listening to The Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mirai, part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. Be sure to rate and review the show and share on all the social media. Seven continents is a game of risk.